Payments Podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Greetings and welcome to the Payments Podcast. My name is John Gaffney. I'll be your host for this episode, which continues our discussion of Bottomline's business payments barometer. Barometer is now in its seventh year. And as we've mentioned on previous episodes, it's the first year that the United States has been added to the project that was once reserved for the UK. This moved this move doubled our sample size with a total of 1,600 respondents, and it also gave us the ability to include experts from both sides of the pond, so to speak, and that's what we have here today. The topic, how can small and medium-sized businesses navigate the post-pandemic economy, the ever-changing place of financial relationships in that economy, and how can they protect themselves against payments fraud that continues to plague businesses of any size? So in the spirit of the expanded scope of our project, we're excited to have experts from the leading small business associations in each country. From the UK, we have Darren Park, who is Senior Policy Advisor for the Federation of Small Businesses. Welcome, Darren. And how about an elevator pitch on what the FSB does and your role within it? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, So the FSB, or Federation of Small Businesses, is the um, main lobby group for small businesses in the UK. We have approximately 160,000 members, and we we work across all the different uh, policy areas in the country. So we've got got policy advisors on finance and tax, which is what what I cover. But equally, we we also have uh, advisors on immigration, skills, net zero, local government, and, and, and so on and so forth. Our main purpose is for advocacy. So we, we run surveys, write reports, have kind of stakeholder engagements, and we uh, lobby politically to try and get the best the best outcomes for small businesses in the UK. All right, great. And we're going to get into what some of those issues are in just a little bit after we hear from Amy Bassett, uh, who is the Regional Director for the United States Small Business Administration. We're very happy to have a, a government agency from the US on here. Um, so, Amy, same opportunity as Darren. What do, in your in your view, what does the SBA do? And tell us about your role within it, please. Sure. Thank you so much for having me join today. So, as you mentioned, SBA is an independent federal agency, but there's actually a physical presence in every state. So, I currently am the director for the Small Business Administration in New Hampshire. And how the SBA helps small businesses and those who want to start small businesses is that we have a wide variety of programs and services that we deliver and that we are helped in delivering through a network of partnerships. And then the ways that we help would be helping businesses get greater access to capital, helping them get access to business advising services and technical assistance, as well as trainings. And then we also have programs in the area of helping businesses who want to do business with the government, government contracting. And then lastly, where we've spent most of our time since uh, March of 2020 is in the area of disaster assistance. We've been very busy since then trying to help deliver the programs that have been stood up to help small businesses survive the pandemic and build greater resiliency. Which um, which I'm sure, having covered that uh, over the last couple of years, I'm sure it's greatly appreciated. So we have these you know, pretty obvious um, concerns. But Darren, when I get away from economic concerns right now, what are some of the issues, other issues um, that small businesses are dealing with right now? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's hard to kind of steer away from from the big elephant in the room. <laughs> but um, I, 
I think one of the biggest things small businesses in the UK are facing, uh, one of the biggest problems they're facing in the UK at the moment is to do with energy prices. Um, so I, I'm sure you've seen over the last few months, as a result of what's happening in Ukraine, the cost of energy and cost of gas specifically has just skyrocketed. And, and small businesses specifically don't have the same sort of consumer protections of um, price caps. So they really have been facing the brunt of month-on-month month increases to their energy costs. So so much so that it is it's really kind of taking away their profit margins to quite an extreme level. Um, Liz Trust has announced that some support measures will be announced in the next few weeks, but what those are, will be are, are still yet to be heard. The, the other thing we've seen over the last few few months getting worse is the issue around late payments. Um, small, small businesses, I guess, <laughs> by virtue of their size, just don't have the same sort of leverage as large businesses and not wanting to lose their their suppliers or their, their um, who they're selling to often, face, again, face the brunt of long, long payment terms, which again, leaves them with very little kind of cash flow and capital at their disposal. Interesting. Amy, how does that track through your, your experience here in the States? I would say it's very parallel. It's very interesting, but many of the issues Darren raised are parallel here. We are certainly hearing um, from small businesses about the rising energy costs, as well as the cost of goods that are going into their products, as well as uh, supply chain issues that impact their ability to build their products, deliver their services, and uh, complete orders in a timely fashion. But the main issue we hear from small businesses is workforce. Workforce is a very acute issue across the board, um, and it's still perhaps some ongoing effects from the pandemic. Um, People have changed uh, work environments and and the way they look at work, um, but we are hearing of acute challenges from small business in the regards with the that. Yeah, and I, I think you said on our prep call that you're seeing businesses actually close because of it, no? Absolutely. Business is completely closing. Uh, You know, they're just fatigued. And that's just the final straw, I think, is that they can't get the help um, and they can't do it on their own or they're curtailing hours significantly. Really significant impacts. Wow. Interesting. So, Darren, you mentioned payments. I'm curious to know how much uh, the FSB works with financial institutions and fintechs as part of your remit. Yeah, so the FSB has a um, has an affiliation with the Co-op Bank, a kind of commercial relationship with that specifically. But but in terms of the stakeholder and policy advocate advocacy side, we, we also have quite strong relationships with the main high street banks and some of the smaller ones. Um, that that's something I do as part of my role. So I have regular meetings with the British Business Bank, which is the the government-funded bank for small businesses, as well as the main high street ones such as Barclays, uh, HSBC, and NatWest, uh, all again kind of raising the points I, I said earlier, kind of a, this, the state of um, affairs of small businesses, the main issues they're facing, and how, how we can work together to kind of create a positive environment with it being kind of late payments, access to cash, closure of bank branches, and and, and so on. It, so yeah, we, we do have quite a positive relationship with a lot of the banks, and it, it does work well. To, to advance our aims, I suppose. And you also mentioned um, earlier that you guys have a good relationship with trade groups. I'm interested to know how they help. Um, you know, how do you see trade groups in general in a situation like this, and FSB in particular? Where do you fit? 
so FSB's got quite a unique position in the political lobbying sphere in the UK. G- given that we've got about 160,000 members, we, we are by far the largest membership group and we are spread kind of throughout the UK. And having that network of businesses that feed in from a very grassroots way often means that we can kind of have the canary in the coal mine, if I want to use a, use a kind of phrase like that, in the sense that we hear a lot of issues from the businesses directly first before government may ne- even be aware of what the issues are, which means we can start actively lobbying for and being proactive on the issues these businesses are facing. Uh, w- one such example of this was during the pandemic when the government announced his kind of relief packages. The first relief package it announced was um, the minimum loan was just too large for most small businesses, which we started hearing directly, which meant that we could create create a, uh, a policy idea that we could take forward to government and and do that in a very quick way, but with a very evidence-backed um, approach, which gives us the kind of reputation and reliability that we've we've come to gain. Interesting. So, Amy, we established that the economic obstacles are pretty similar. What about banking relationships? How does, how does that track with what Darren was saying? So one of the interesting things that came out of the pandemic is we realized uh, what we always knew, but I think small businesses realized that it was very important to have some type of a banking relationship. The way the programs rolled out, those who had a strong banking relationship were able to access the programs more quickly. SBA recognized this um, and recognized that some of the ones that did not have the relationship with a lender were the ones who needed it most and needed the help the most. So we did work to establish more online technologies and establish connections with online lenders and fintechs to make sure that we are starting to think about delivering services through other platforms so that the smallest of the small businesses get access to the programs as well. It's kind of startling to me that you could not have a banking relationship or an active one as a, as a business. How do you guys try to spread the gospel or advocate for having one of those relationships? I would say we have always told anybody starting a small business or in a small business how key it is to have those advisors, whether it be a banking or some kind of financial advisor and a banking relationship is a key part of that. So we've always kind of reiterated that to people, but I think it's a sign of the times. Uh, Everyone has gone more technology-based and um, trying to streamline things. There aren't as many banking locations that they would access. So I think it's just a sort of different, a culture shift to a certain extent. Interesting. And Darren, I know in the UK that one of the issues has been Frank Bent. (laughs) Come on, John bank branch closures. And is that true? Yeah, that's something we're seeing throughout the country up and down, but it's, it's particularly um, painful in, in rural areas where you often get the kind of last bank in town closing down, really, really leading kind of a gap in financial services for businesses in the area. I, I think because of that and because of how long this has, issue has been going on for, we, we, you do have many small businesses that really don't have a kind of financial relationship at all. They they will have, say, a, a business banking account, but the, the, the personal touch, I guess, is, is, is something of the past for a lot of businesses now. Oh, interesting. And um, how did, tell me a little bit about the relationship between some of the, um, some of your constituents and the business, what we call business bounce back loans in the UK, right? 
the bounce back loan, yeah. So that that the bounce back loan, uh, just for anyone who doesn't know, was the the government COVID loan for the smallest of businesses. So you could take up to about up to fifty thousand uh, pounds, depending on what your turnover size was. Um, this has been a very successful loan, in my view. It was rolled out very rapidly at the start of the pandemic. It it had about one point five million business uptake. Um, approximately 45 billion pounds worth of lending it really was a lifeline for businesses that were going into a very dire situation um and even the latest stats now show that it's still being paid off relatively well um i think about six billion has been paid off outright and about 30 billion or so has been paid off with no problems at all uh, in terms of the monthly repayment so it really was this lifeline for small businesses I guess the issue and going forward and what needs to be taken into consideration is a lot of businesses took this debt on as the lifeline approach where they may not necessarily have taken on debt for the first time otherwise. And the loan lasts up to 10 years, depending on the kind of agreements made. So businesses are facing these economic headwinds at a time where they're also facing debt repayments and debt repayments quite large that they may not normally be used to how financial institutions of the government proceed really needs to be taken into consideration that these small businesses are very indebted, more indebted than they have been in the last last few decades. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, I'm interested to know from both of you, um, Darren in particular, you mentioned payments and, and payment terms. One of the things that came through in the barometer report was that businesses have had to become much more flexible in the payment types they receive or make. Um, and Darren, I, I want to start with you because you mentioned that you have seen some of that. You've seen some changes in terms um, and even changes in payment types. Is that true? Yeah. So during the pandemic, a lot of businesses faced a worsening in the payment terms. So kind of irrespective of how they were paid, the, the, the number of days from when the good was sold or service was sold to when they received payment, we found when it up, when it increased for about two thirds of all small businesses, again, kind of restricting cash flow, uh, which, which we really try and fight against. I mean, the cash flow is king for small businesses and late payments really needs to just be, be improved in the UK. Uh, but the other side in terms of kind of forms of payment that we saw changing was a, an acceleration of cashlessness. Um, I guess the kind of perception that cash could potentially house the um, the COVID disease meant that a lot of businesses stopped accepting it and just went cashless. And th- although it's not necessarily a bad trend, it does mean that the 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 options of payment, shall I say, is becoming slightly more limited throughout the UK. And this is very again very detrimental, I suppose, to some areas, the more rural specifically that have just, they don't really have. Or, or lack the kind of same level of infrastructure of more urban areas to be able to adequately accept um, this more kind of cashless society world. We have also, we've seen an adoption of open banking and the the different payment forms of that, but it, it's still largely unknown by small businesses. If you if you go down the street and you talk to someone about open banking, there's a very high chance they're not going to know exactly what that actually entails, even if they are using some of the processes within it. So it's I stay on that front on kind of the alternative payments form, we're at very early stages in the UK of it. Interesting. So Amy, it's it's not as easy for consumers. I'm sorry, it's not as easy for businesses as it is for consumers to be 
automatically shifting to cashless payments and peer-to-peer payments. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I think, you know, in the States, it's been a shift towards um, using the card, using the plastic versus and online transactions versus cash. But it certainly was accelerated in the pandemic. But I think the hurdle for small businesses, the technology that, that piece that has to go along with that, that's an investment for many of these small businesses. And there's a cost associated with setting up the systems and, and training. And, and that's a definitely a hurdle for small businesses. And we've also seen some that are trying to still focus on the cash basis because it, they feel not only can they not invest in the technology to make it happen to go cashless, but the cost savings as well when the costs are associated with cards and the like. Okay, final question, and we're going to go to Amy Bassett for this first. Um, what just let's take it out to thirty thousand feet here, Amy. What are some of the pri- priorities you think? SMBs should be adopting right now? What, sh- what questions should they be asking themselves? So what we have always said and what we continue to say is there are a lot of resources available out there. Take advantage. I think sometimes business owners get so engrossed and ingrained in operating their business that they don't think about working on their business. So that is a one of the lessons that we try to get out to folks in, in many, many ways. And we also realize that there are some small businesses in rural and underserved communities who just don't have the means to do that. So it's the onus is on us to make sure that our services are reaching these small businesses. And then the last thing that sort of really popped up on our radar most recently is the whole topic that we were talking about partially today is cybersecurity. There's a lot of risks out there. And SBA has just launched a program to start doing some work around educating small businesses on this because one of the stats we're quoting is the FBI's crime report for the cost of cyber crimes was startling. $2.4 billion in 2021 is what it costs small businesses. So big area of focus. Yeah, it's it's those are shocking numbers. They do a great job. Darren, you get the last word out of respect to our mother country here. Um, but same same question for you. What 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 questions should uh, should small to medium sized businesses be asking themselves right now? I, I think one of the first ones many small businesses will be looking at is is again on the access to finance issue. With the level of debt many small businesses have taken on over the last two years, where they go for external finance will start popping up as a new question many many not wanting to take on additional debt but many still wanting to grow but not being able to grow without the external external finance external capital so so looking beyond kind of traditional bank loans potentially looking to equity crowdfunding or angel investments i think is going to become increasingly important and it's something we've seen from our own research that many small businesses are just either a combination of kind of unaware of the available options or just unaware of how to access them. And I think bridging that gap is going to become very important in light of the kind of debt taken. This will also be very important as well, given the fact that kind of in the UK, at least following the financial crash of 2008, we saw a very, very sharp tightening in the lending to small businesses as banks kind of reduced their risky portfolios. I don't see that necessarily happening to the same level as the credit crunch, but I, I can see a, t- a tightening of the financial markets in the UK. And indeed, our own data is showing that already. Um, the share of 
small businesses that are applying for finance and being successful is is dropping quarter on quarter and our, our latest data shows that only 45 percent were actually successful in their their applications so I, I think growth is always something business want but it's it's how i guess they're going to find the capital for this growth over the next 18 months is going to be be one of the crucial questions yeah how do they get there well it's good that uh on both sides of the pond here that uh that smbs have the organizations like you guys have and that uh, those assets are available to them so that's a wrap for this episode of the payments podcast um darren park senior policy advisor for the federation of small businesses in the uk i want to thank you for your time thank you for having me it's been, been great no it's been great and amy bassett regional director for the small business administration thank you amy thank you and uh i hope you uh i hope you guys tell everybody about this podcast it's been excellent um and it is av- available on soundcloud apple and google podcast so thank you once again see you next time Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.